Hello, people of the world, and welcome to today's episode of the Unity Project podcast. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, the Unity Project podcast is one about the relationships that we have with our bodies. Today, I got to interview a wonderful lady named Fallon Lepin. Fallon is a body-centered psychotherapist, a coach, and just an incredible woman. She aims to help her clients develop sacred communication with their bodies in order to form a deeper understanding of themselves, move through blockages, heal their relationships to trauma, anxiety, depression, and so much more, mainly just become empowered, confident, and alive. Uh, Fallon joined me today on this podcast to talk a lot about so many things. We went into some good depth about her autoimmune disorder, which I am very interested in because my partner Kaylee also has gone through that. And so we talked a lot about how how she has coped with that, how integrative medicine has been a really helpful tool for her. She went through this series of people continuing to tell her that there was nothing wrong with her, but she knew, she knew that there was, she knew in her bones, her body guided her to the healing that she needed. And I think that that is just so special and says so much about the wisdom of our bodies and how we really do have everything that we need. We go into topics like how as kids we're in tune with our bodies and as we grow up, that's trained out of us, that's that's a conversation that I'm extremely passionate about and have had a lot in my personal life. I think that honestly, the beauty of kids is that they don't know what the rules are yet that society puts out there. They don't know that they're supposed to conform. That is taught later on in life. And so we can learn a lot from little kids. But anyway, we talk about that. We talk about being a deep listener for our bodies. Uh, She talks a lot about cycle tracking. Cycle tracking gives power back to women. It helps women see their cycle as literally the thing that creates life, the womb. Women aren't meant to show up the same way every day. Everyday women show up with a different set of hormones that they're working with. That is some really, really good gold nugget wisdom that I learned from this interview. And I just feel really happy and proud to be a woman and... Just inspired to learn more about my body and listen more. And honestly, that's the point of this podcast. So I'm really excited to share this episode with you guys. Anyway, enjoy. How is it going over there? Hi, Jackie. It's good. How are you? I'm doing well. Are you in Massachusetts? I think I saw. Yes, in in Western Massachusetts. Okay, awesome. So that's not anywhere near Boston, right? It's like an hour and a half from Boston, and it's not quite in the Berkshires. So I live in Holyoke, which is near the Northampton area. I feel a lot of people are familiar with that. Okay, that's awesome. I lived in Boston for like a very short time and it was very, very cold. <laughs> so, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it is yeah. cold. <laughs> oh my gosh. I got there in September and left in December and I was like, wow. So Fallon, thank you so much for wanting to be on this podcast with me today. As I was saying earlier before we started recording, uh, just looking into your work, you are absolutely there she is for those listening uh, my puppy is really going ham on a bone so if you hear anything blame Bennett 
Um, but as I was saying, looking through your work, you just seem like the most perfect person to have on my on my podcast to talk about all the things that I'm really interested in exploring here and stuff. So thank you. Mm. I'm super stoked to talk to you. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here. Absolutely. So, uh, so you're a psycho, a psychotherapist. Yep, I'm a body-centered psychotherapist, and I also do some coaching and women's work, workshops, all that good stuff. Okay, that's very cool. I saw that, and I was so excited. I saw your Psychology Today page, and I was like, oh, she's the real deal. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, to start off, do you want to describe the relationship that you have with your body? Mm, yes, I would love to. In thinking of a word to describe my relationship with my body, I feel like I would say it's intimate. I have a very intimate relationship with my body. And I think it's always been that way, but I grew away from it and then found my way back to it. But what I mean by that is I'm just a really deep feeler. So I feel everything through my body. Anything that's going on in my body, I can feel it in a really intimate um, level. And So I feel like I was that way as a child and then grew away from it. And now in adulthood, I've really come back to just how profound that relationship is. Um, And I really use my body. I feel like we're always in conversation. We're always chatting. I'm always asking questions. And I think it's just such a beautiful source of knowledge and wisdom as all of our bodies are. Wow, that that's a really beautiful word to use to describe that as intimate. I I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, what's the journey been like for you? Was there a time maybe when you were younger when you felt the most disconnected from your body or what did that look like? Yeah, I actually think that like most children are really in tune with their bodies and then we're sort of coached out of that. I feel that society, in my opinion, really values the the conscious mind um, and critical thinking and learning, um, but we don't really teach kids how to use their bodies and how to continue that relationship into adulthood. I think it's very inherent to children, but we sort of teach them away from it or teach them how to control their emotions as opposed to how to use their beautiful emotions. Um, so, and I feel like that's just a societal thing. It's, it's deeply ingrained in all of us. So as a child, I feel I was really connected to my body. And then I would say when I felt most disconnected was really my journey from childhood to adulthood so a big chunk of time of being deeply disconnected from my body or trying to control what I was feeling in my body or numbing out or avoiding and in the way that I think a lot of a lot of us do Um, and it was actually my journey with chronic illness that brought me deeply back into my body surprisingly enough oh wow Wow, what uh, what did that look like? What happened when you were diagnosed with the chronic illness? Yeah, so it was a long journey before I was actually diagnosed. I was just feeling really sick um, for many years. I would say probably actually like three years of getting progressively more um, ill. And again, because I was so disconnected from my body, trying to minimize it or ignore it or avoid it or just kind of work harder or eat healthier doing all of those things which was really inevitably in avoiding my experience with my body um and was really invalidated by 
Western medicine in a lot of ways. Um, no hate to Western medicine. I think science is a beautiful thing. I just think a lot of times we take the body and we look at it in in segments. Like we look at the the heart or the endocrine system or you know the GI tract, and we don't look at the whole integrated body. So people couldn't really find out what was wrong with me. So I had like MRIs. Um, had my eyes checked. I had a million blood tests, everything that you could imagine. And the solution was just sort of to, you know, if I was feeling dizzy, take Dramamine. If I was having migraines, take Tylenol, take migraine medication. Um, but not really hearing me or listening to me. And so during that time, it felt really isolating. And I... I have my own body-centered psychotherapist, which I think is amazing. And so working with her and then also, I feel like my body led me to the healers that I needed at the time because I had to tune in and I had to start listening. If no one else was listening, I really had to cultivate that relationship and listen because I knew something in my body um, wasn't right. And so that's where it really started this connection that I have with my body and this deep listening um, and learning how to really tune into that. And um, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'll pause yeah. there. <laughs> you know, that's, that's awesome. Um, yeah, my partner was recently diagnosed with a autoimmune disorder. And so everything that you are saying just feels so familiar to me by things that she said of like, just for so long, she was so sick and no one knew why. And she didn't know why all this mm -hmm. was happening and no one was listening until finally they figured out what was going on. And it it you saying it feels isolating us. she talks about that a lot so yeah it's quite the journey and and I also just want to say what um what you said earlier about how uh, as little kids were the most in tune with our body and then as we grow up the world kind of trains us out of it I love that I'm a big believer in that too that's been mm -hmm. a big focus of the work I've been doing lately so I'm happy that you brought that up too Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah, I think that's really important. Yeah, so you say that your body kind of guided you to the healing that you needed. Is that is that what you said? Am I saying that right? Yeah, perfect. Okay, how, how did that look? Like, what was that like? Yeah, I think it was really intuitive, honestly. So it was just the listening and having these, you know, these certain pivotal moments where I reflect back. And just thinking, okay, I know everyone says that there's nothing wrong with you, but let's keep looking. Let's keep asking. Um, let's keep being asked to be guided. And like, sure enough, right after one of those pivotal moments I had, I think it was actually one of my aunts said to me that she had been going to an integrative doctor um, through Northampton Integrative Medicine, where I live near. And it just was like full body resonance for me. Like that wave of resonance that comes over your body of like, yes, I need to go. I need to go there. Um, and I'm a deeply spiritual person. I believe that, you know, my connection with my body and my connection with my spirit are really the same. I feel that we're all just souls having a human experience <laughs> in these bodies. Um, so when I actually called the integrative uh, medicine place I asked just to be assigned to the doctor they think would be best and couldn't have been a more perfect fit so how everything really unfolded felt really divine oh that's really really cool I love that feeling when it's just your body knows this is what's happening 
And that moment when you realize that, like, it is your body saying that is so cool. Yeah. Um, for for those listening, do you want to do you want to kind of describe a little bit more what integrative medicine and healing is? Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully I do it justice <laughs> for all the integrative <laughs> doctors out there. But um, I believe that it's really just a modality of looking at the entire system. So I had a lot of different diagnoses, which I'm happy to talk about more later as well. But, um, you know, for thyroid disease or autoimmune disease, you're working with an endocrinologist. And so they're just looking at the endocrine system. Um, and, you know, when I was working, when I had migraines, and was working with a neurologist. They're just looking at the migraine. So they're just taking these parts of your body and that's their specialty. So that makes sense. And they're looking at, at those parts, but they're not looking at the entire system as a whole. So with integrative medicine, it really looks at the whole body and tries to understand and figure out what parts are connected and what at the root is causing all of these challenges. And so for me, it started with Epstein-Barr virus and um, thyroid disease. I have Hashimoto's and Graves disease. But when I went to my integrative doctor who found those diagnoses, um, she also really looked into, okay, why is this happening? So thyroid, dis thyroid disease is genetic, but what turned on the gene, right? And Epstein-Barr, which is, is mono essentially, happens for a lot of people, but why is it chronic in your body? So why does it keep flaring up? And let's really look at this. So instead of just medicating me for those issues, really looking at why is the body not functioning optimally? There, there has to be something happening in your body that causes the Epstein-Barr to be chronic, that, that caused the thyroid gene to turn on. And through that exploration, found that I actually had high levels of heavy metal toxicity in my body. So the integrative practice is really being able to say, okay, here's some surface level diagnoses, but let's really understand why your body is doing this and creating this and causing this. So really holding the whole body in the picture. Oh, wow. That is so important. That just reminds me so much of like how uh, people who are trying to like end the stigma of going to therapy and stuff like that talk about it, how you go to the doctor to take care of your physical body, you got to take care of your mental health too, type of thing. And I just think all of that is super important. So I'm so happy that you're able to able to find that and it worked so well for you. Um, Hashimoto's, that's actually what my partner has. Can I just ask oh, what wow. you found, if there was anything helpful in that, in that area? Yeah, so for me, um, it, it's interesting. So I have Graves disease and Hashimoto's, and so they kind of work against each other. So in a way, they, they sort of balance each other out. So it's different than, so Hashimoto's would be um, hypothyroidism, so an underactive thyroid. And... I'm not a doctor, but this is what I understand through my own journey. <laughs> and yes, Graves disease. Right. Yeah. And Graves disease is um, an overactive thyroid. So it's hyperthyroidism. So because oh. I have the hyper and the hypo, they sort of balance. Okay. That makes sense. That's strangely convenient for them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But so the for me, the Graves disease, the hyperactive thyroid was the one that was the symptoms that I was feeling and the one that sort of overpowered the hypo. And for that, we're just, I mean, we work with a lot of plants to balance the thyroid too. So for Hashimoto's, for hypothyroid, it would probably be different. 
but for the hyper, like I used lemon balm, which is a great herb to help calm the thyroid down. And I eliminated gluten from my diet because gluten actually registers in the body as an antibody. Um, hopefully I'm saying that right. So it can, it can be active, activating for the thyroid. And I cut out certain certain foods that would trigger a hyperactive thyroid. So where ashwagandha would be helpful for hypothyroid, it was actually not great for hyperthyroid. And same thing with um, like seaweed or foods that I believe have a lot of iodine in them. I think that's the key. So kind of managing my diet in that way and supplementing with plants as well. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Gluten, gluten is definitely the big thing that we've had a take out which it's in everything she just found out it was in her melatonin and we were like mm. no way oh. we had no idea and she had been taking the melatonin for so long and it was so frustrating because she eliminated all the other gluten all the things she really wanted not knowing that she was still taking it accidentally oh but that's so frustrating <laughs> i know i know they gotta be big and clear on the bottles or something but anyway uh this is so cool. I'm happy that you were able to find so many, just so many connections throughout your body and what the different parts of you needed. And I think that that's really, really special. And what you said before about Western medicine, I agree. I mean, no, no hate or anything in that department. <laughs> but I think that there's so much to say when you're talking about uh just the body and all the different areas that Western medicine doesn't always look at the best. And I think that when you talk about it spiritually or holistically, I think that there's a lot there left to, to explore when it comes to really taking care of ourselves. Yeah. So how did you, yeah. How did you end up with the business that you have? Like, what did that look like in between finding the right, finding the right integrative medicines and getting to know your body more through that. And then now, like, what did that look like? Yeah. So I've been, so I'm a social worker by trade. Um, so I've worked a lot in therapeutic schools with children and then started to work in outpatient therapy uh, while I was sick. And so, you know, we go to school to learn all of these skills, but it's really in our own clinical practice that I feel like we hone in on our niche area um, and just what we like to work with and what we're good at working with. So it's constant self-discovery and evolution in this field. Um, so I actually started doing outpatient therapy when I was sick before I had any diagnoses. Um, and then I myself as I had said previously, was guided to working with a body-centered psychotherapist. And I just, I really loved her approach and her style. And it was so tremendously helpful for me and my journey. And it just was the perfect fit. So through doing therapy with her, I learned more about her training and actually started going to the training program that she went to, um, which is in Hartford. It's Hartford Family Institute. And so they're a body-centered psychotherapy training program. So I did a year-long training program there with them um, and just kind of started to hone in how to help other people with these tools and modalities. And then about a year ago, I started my own private practice specifically around body-centered psychotherapy and really just working with people um, in this way. Wow. 
That's very cool. I love that you were going to see a body-centered psychotherapist and then ended up going and doing what she did to learn to learn that field. I think that that is so, so special and very, very cool. Um, what, what would you say the differences are between a body-centered psychotherapy approach and just, um, I guess, not a body-centered approach <laughs> to therapy? <laughs> Whatever yeah, you want that. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I would say, I get asked this question all the time. I think it's such a wonderful question. Um, I think all therapists are different, so not to speak for all therapists that have different approaches, but I think therapy a lot of the time works with the mind and mindset and, um, you know, thinking patterns that we get stuck in and how to, how to talk to ourselves and how to really explore our psyche. Um, and body-centered, you know, it, it still includes all of that. I do do a lot of mindset work and um, the mind is, is really powerful and important, but the body-centered approach is just really looking at the part of our beings that I feel we've deeply neglected and that I feel is very wise. And truly, I believe our consciousness, right? Like our conscious mind is such a small percentage of our entire wisdom. There's the unconscious mind, there's the entire body, our vessel, our soul, um, so body-centered psychotherapy for me is really working on developing not only a connection with the mind, but with the body and being able to learn sacred body communication. So how to feel what's going on in your body and not be afraid of it, but rather learn from it. So, I mean, it's a really huge concept <laughs> and I'm trying not to get too in-depth, but I guess a small example would be if you know, you're working with depression and sort of a regular therapeutic approach. There's lots of ways to work with that cognitively. But if you're working with it from a body-centered approach, how can you really tune into the wisdom of your depression? How can you listen to the sadness? How can you feel where there's energy in your body that's holding that numbness or that sadness or whatever characterizes your depression? And how can you move it through your body learn to speak to it, learn to listen deeply to it and move it through and not regard it as a problem or something to blame and shame or something to fix, but truly opening up your body and allowing it to be part of your experience and allowing yourself to really extract the wisdom from it so that you can move through it and you can alchemize it and you can transform it. So for me, it just feels like, um, a really radical way of, of looking at mental health challenges and energy in the body and just our experience here as a whole. Um, I always say it's not just a therapy approach, it's a human approach. You know, it's, it's the work I do with myself. It's how I hold everybody, my friends, my family. Um, I'm sure they can attest to that and my clients. So it's really just a philosophy for life in a lot of ways for me. Mm, okay, that's... That sounds a lot like the work that I was doing with my therapist over the past couple of years. I don't know mm -hmm. if she used the same language, but I know that there was a lot in there about uh, building self-compassion of like, what is the, like one time she asked me, which your, um, your example reminded me of, she asked me to picture depression in my mind, like what would it look like? And mm. then to... And I was all like mad at it. And it was, I was like, it's so evil. And it's this, I actually, I said it looked like the, um, 
the Hades guy in Hercules the cartoon. <laughs> That's how it showed up. And I was like, interesting. We don't like him. Um, and, and then she asked me, and it just, I had never heard anyone talk about it this way. She was like, what would it look like to see depression as something that was trying to help you versus hurt you? Mm. And it just like blew my mind. I think that was the first moment where I really understood. I think I just really understood mental health. I don't think mm-hmm. I really had a good concept on it before that. Cause like it's, it's sometimes easier to look at like why anxiety might be helping you because it could be like warning you about danger, but depression, it just didn't make any sense to me because it just made me, it just made me hate life. I'm like, how is that helping? Mm-hmm. But when you really look at it and you see like why your mind is doing that and what traumas are stored and why, and it, it really opens the door for actual healing. And so I love that. I love, I love how you, you look at it that way. Um, would you say EMDR is body centered or would that be more cognitive? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't personally practice EMDR, um, but I am, I'm a little bit familiar with it. And I would say you could probably look at it both ways. I mean, I know that it's using the, the patterning of the left and the right side of the brain to sort of integrate experiences and bring you into a more relaxed and tranquil state so you can move through your trauma. Um, but I don't know. I'd be interested to hear from someone who does EMDR if they consider that more body-centered or a mind-centered approach. I think it, it definitely is about integrating, right? Integrating your experiences, integrating both sides of your brain um, and how to move, move through trauma. So I would guess that it involves that it involves both. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's definitely a gray area in trying to place it. I don't know, like you're saying, I don't know if it really goes in one category or the other cuz mm-hmm. I've um done a ton of EMDR, obviously mm-hmm. not from the therapist seat, but from the client seat. Um yeah. and it definitely from from my experience of it from the client's perspective, it's tough because it's like you're closing your eyes and you're imagining this thing and the buzzers are vibrating back and forth and all these images are going through your head. But while you're seeing this flashback or whatever it is you're seeing, like you're feeling it in all these different parts of your body as if you were there. And I've yeah. always felt kind of stuck there, though. Like, what what does that mean if I feel that in my stomach or if my knees start to get really bouncy or feet get tingly? Like, I, did, I never know where to go from there. Do you have any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, love that question. Such a beautiful question. Um, I, would, I would guide you to go to the sensation in your belly or the sensation in your knees and be with that sensation say hello to it, invite it to take up some space and see if it has anything it wants you to know. And I know that that might sound like a really challenging question, but to truly ask the energy in your body to communicate with you as opposed to your intellectual mind. So really letting that energy of those shaky knees come from your knees up to your throat and express why it's here and what it has to tell you. And it might mean that your body feels like it needs more safety in this moment, or it's preparing you, you know, to fight or flight, or 
maybe it's feeling unstable and it needs to be rooted and grounded. So I think so much could come from that. But I would say to really open up the body and let the body share its wisdom with you. And I think that's a great example of how it can do that. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a beautiful answer. I loved that. That's actually, so I was in, it reminds me, I was in treatment for an eating disorder last year, like a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, that actually was kind of like, the middle of that was my starting off point for wanting to do this podcast because one of the assignments we had to do was to write a letter to our bodies and then a letter back from our bodies to us and Mm -hmm. we never went as far as like writing or like talking to individual parts like shaky knees or a hurting stomach which I think would be incredibly insightful so I'm kind of curious about what that would look like but once I saw that there was like a dialogue there and a communication opening there it was super eye-opening to see how much I was neglecting myself in the first place and how damaging that could be to not know that you're supposed to listen to yourself. Mm. Yeah, mm. I know that um, I was reading, I think this was from your, your Instagram, but you was, talked about, oh no, this was from your email to me, but you talked about how understanding the body communicates with us and how we become deeper listeners. How would you say we could become deeper listeners? Like, what are practices and things that can help guide us there? Yeah. So, I think learning the art of sacred body communication, which is a little bit what I talked about earlier, about checking in with that energy sensation in your body and asking if it has anything it wants to share with you. Um, But I think being a deep listener is creating enough space for your body to share what it has to share. And so it could be a simple morning practice of placing your hand on your heart and taking a few deep breaths and just checking in with the energy of your heart and noticing, does the energy feel tight and constricted? Does it feel expansive and open? Does it feel heavy? Do you feel pressure? And without judging it or shaming it or trying to change it, really just feeling into what's on my heart today. And then going in and just like I said earlier, inviting this energy to take up space so it can get as big as it wants. It can take up as much space as it wants. And knowing that nothing that shows up in your body is trying to hurt you. It's just here to help you. It's just here to communicate. Um, and so it's nothing to be afraid of. So letting it really take up space. And I think when people do that, they find that the energy really moves through. It softens, lightens. Energy really loves to be listened to. So whatever you're carrying in your heart, if you can go in, and our hearts have such an incredible capacity, so they always hold so much energy. So to be able to go in and just let your heart know that you're here and you're listening and you have space and you don't want to ignore it or numb it out, and you want to let this energy move through, it oftentimes for people feels a lot better. It feels a lot lighter. It feels um, like that energy can really find its way out and it doesn't have to be so stuck. And then this is a practice that takes time, but truly asking it, is there anything you need for me today? And letting your heart respond as opposed to, to your intellectual mind. So I think this might sound silly, but the body often talks in one word or two words or it might show you an image if if you're hearing a response that's like a full-long paragraph that's probably coming from your intellectual mind 
So it does, it does take a little bit of practice. Um, but eventually you'll, you'll be able to see if, if the heart has anything it wants to share with you. You can do this with any part of your body. Um, but I think the deep listening comes from that tuning in, right? Or if you're in the middle of your work day and there's an energy that comes over your body, maybe it feels like anxiety and you regard it as anxiety and you want it to go away. And so you distract, numb, avoid and try to go on with your day, which makes sense if you're working, who wants to feel that, right? But the deep listening would be to do a piece of that, right? So putting your hand on your heart, and feeling that energy and just letting it know it's okay. It can be here. It can move through. And maybe it actually just needs rest or maybe it feels shame or maybe it needs support. And so being able to really cultivate space for deep listening. Mm. Okay. So, so you're saying that once we start to create space for it and once we start to talk to it and ask, that's when, that's when it kind of, well, I don't know if I would say or if what you were saying was speak more or we could just hear it more clearly so more information comes to us is that kind of what you're saying yeah exactly it's creating a channel for wisdom to come i mean just like wisdom pops into our mind it can come from our body so it's yeah it's just creating a channel and a lot of times we are like numbing out or avoiding so being able to open that channel of communicating and letting our bodies talk to us um, the deep listening comes from that. And then, you know, patterns are created. So you could be really busy, but feel a sensation that you've actually checked in with before and listened to before. And you might know what that means for you. And you might know what you need on a deeper level through that practice. Mm. Okay. That is very good. <laughs> Just very, very good. I love that you're <laughs> kind of want to like, go write letters to all the parts of me now. Yes. This is special. Uh, when you talk about taking up space, I just think that, that that concept alone is so vital, I think, to, to just focus on. Because that was another thing that mm-hmm. really came to my attention and treatment was even the concept of taking up space and why it was that that concept feels so scary and why, as, I mean, speaking as women like why that is incredibly against what the world has taught us or people who Mm. identify as women like it just there's a lot there and you said something on an instagram post that i loved so much you said that sovereign women take up space and the more we heal the more space we take up Mm. what does that mean to you yeah Well, I think through this, that's a wonderful question, and thank you for your kind words. I think that the more that we can create deep listening within the body, the more we can hear our own truth. And and really, I can't tell you anything about your body that you don't already somewhere deeply know about your body, right? I can't provide you with any wisdom that your body doesn't already know and resonate with. Um, so when we can cultivate this sense of deep listening, we can connect more to our truth and our authenticity and not just living externally for how other people want us to show up, but we can really hear the ways that we want to show up and that we need to show up, right? The ways that our body thrives through showing up and we can really discover our truth and find a deeper sense of authenticity. And when we find that and we have that and we know that. 
I believe that we can take up more space with that, with our truth, with our authenticity. And following your own inner truth inherently is taking up more space because you're taking up more space with yourself, with your truth, with your authenticity and less blending in to what you think is expected of you or what other people want from you. So when I say sovereign women take up space, I feel that to be in your truth, to be in your sovereignty, to have this deep connection with your body, you inherently take up space. People see that. People feel that on an energetic level. And that energy takes up space. And you allow yourself to take up that space because you know it's your truth. And truth is powerful. When we're really used to ignoring the body, it just becomes second nature. And when we stop doing that, I think it's physically hard to ignore the body. <laughs> once you open that channel, once that light switch flips, it's really hard to ignore the body again. It's hard to ignore your authenticity. You just are embodied permission for everyone else to take up space with their truth too. Oh yeah, that that is a hundred percent true. It's like it becomes it becomes like contagious when you're when you meet someone who really really is just knows who they are and is in their own skin and yeah. And also what you said about it being you can't really avoid it after you start to open up and listen <laughs> to it is so true. Oh my gosh. Once I stopped or once I kind of stepped into recovery from like eating disorder and stuff, because mm. that was such a big big body disconnection um I started feeling like my anxiety was showing up more my different emotions and I thought that was a bad thing I was like I'm all over the place I'm feeling this and that's feeling this and I'm so anxious and my therapist was like that's exactly what is supposed to happen because now you can hear your body yeah and I was like oh that's tough (laughs) 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 yes absolutely to that it is Uh, it's like opening the floodgates um and i always say you know this work this work isn't for the faint of heart it's incredibly inspiring and uplifting gives you so much more aliveness so much more ground Uh, but it's not for the faint of heart it's deep work when you open that portal there's a lot that comes out a lot that's been stored so 100 percent hear you agree with you on that Mm, okay so tell me, you talked a bit in your email and then a bit, I think I just found this on your Instagram, but about how our bodies are inherently spiritual and how you use spirituality if, um, if your client wants to go there to kind of help see the relationship with their bodies through that, through those eyes and stuff. And I, I love talking about that because I grew up in a very, uh, I, I call it toxic christian culture stuff which Mm -hmm. i'm sure if you live in the world you're familiar with (laughs) Um, but after getting out of that and kind of realizing that oh my spirituality doesn't have to look like that because that was so damaging especially to my relationship Mm -hmm. with my body i got really curious about what spirituality looks like taking that out and how that can how communicating with my body just like how to see it through that lens and stuff because I I think that there's so much there but I feel like I've been so I guess nervous to dip my toes into that water just because of what I mean just like I said before toxic Christian stuff in the whole world but what Mm -hmm. what would you 
What would you say that looks like for you, like in your sessions or just personally, like, how would you talk about that? Yeah. So a hundred percent hear you. I think that, you know, religion can be really toxic. And I think that, um, religion is different than spirituality. And at least the way that I view it, it's less like, well, it's, it's really a culture, right? I think religion in a lot of ways is a culture, depending on what religion you grew up in or came from. But spirituality to me is really more just about energy. And so I always, I always honor the sovereignty of the client and what their higher power is. If they have a higher power, if they're open to higher power. And for me, that could be God, goddess, love, flow, the universe, spirit, uh, creator. And if it's none of those things, it can be a big tree in your backyard. It can be Mother Earth. It can be nature. And to me, all of those things are spiritual. We're Like I said, we're inherently spiritual because we're, I believe that we're souls having a human experience. And so I think spirituality is really, really important because it's a support. And to be able to really tap into that support is transformative, um, life-changing. There's a lot of clients that I work with where they're feeling really unsupported or really unheld or, you know, feeling really disregarded by their family systems. And if we can't, basically we never feel anything that we're not safe enough to feel. So in order to do this work, we need enough support and safety to do this work. And if people can't have that or find that, in human form in their day-to-day is when I really invite in the spirituality. So I might invite them to imagine a color of light that feels supportive. That's, that could be spiritual, right? So asking the universe to send you a color of light that wants to be here to support you. Or an animal, an animal totem that wants to be here to support you. Um, we've done a lot of mother wound work where I, I guide the client through asking spirit or asking the universe, whatever their, whatever their sovereignty is in their higher power, um, to send them a divine mother, an image of the highest healing frequency available in the form of the feminine. So a divine mother that could come to them and be with them and hold them and support them. And it's, it's hard at first. A lot of people feel like they're making it up. And they just say, it's a support. So go with whatever comes. So you can imagine that if there was this divine mother, if there was this highest healing frequency of a feminine energy that could come and be with you, what would that energy look like? What would her face look like? What would her expression look like? What would her hair look like? How would she be dressed? And how would she interact with you? How would she hold you? How would she support you? How would she be with you in this moment? And then this is really subtle energy healing. So being able to take in that energy of the Divine Mother to come and be with you as a support as you move through whatever the person's moving through. And so a lot of people can connect to that, not spiritually and just a visualization level. But I think it really adds an extra level of support and meaning if people do connect to it spiritually and feel that, you know, they spirit or universe is sending them this Divine Mother to come and be here with them. And then can you visualize this divine mother as you move through that, right? Or as the depression comes back up or the anxiety comes back up or the fear of illness comes back up. 
can you imagine this image of the divine mother and then be with that energy? So really imagine you taking in her energy to your heart or to, to your body. And again, we could do this with a color of light. We could do this with an animal totem if people feel really connected to nature and animals. We could do this to Mother Earth. And you could go and sit on the earth and imagine that you could really take her energy up into your heart. And so it's just a level of support that's available to everyone, no matter what your life situation is, no matter what your beliefs are. And that's really how how I weave in spirituality, or that's one way of how I weave in spirituality. Oh, I love it. I've never heard it talked about like that, how it's like a support. Yeah. How it's there if you if you want it or need it. That is a really, really beautiful thing. Mm. That just like opened my mind to so many more questions that I didn't have time to ask, but oh wow. Yeah. Um, okay, so I have I have like three more questions for you for the mm -hmm. interview. Is that okay? Yeah, of course. Okay, so uh my first one, I I'm not sure if this ties into what you were just talking about, but in uh, you were writing online about uh, the wisdom of the womb. Mm. What does what does that mean? Is that kind of in line with the divine mother, or is that a completely separate thing? Yeah, it's. I mean, it could be totally involved with the divine mother, or it could be separate. Um, I'm running a womb workshop tomorrow, actually, and. Uh, the womb is just such a powerful place, expansive place for women um, or people that identify with having a womb. And it's the energy center in the body that is the creatrix of all life. <laughs> so it's this, it's this place in our body that is incredibly sensitive and stores trauma and stores our wounding, but also has the, the power to birth all things into creation. And this is not just children, but this is our art our creations, our business, our projects. It's a deeply intuitive place in the body. And I believe that connecting to the womb and the wisdom of the womb is incredibly transformative and powerful. Um, and there's a lot of things that go into that. I mean, that's just briefly, it is an energy center in the body that stores a lot of things, but also has immense capacity. And if we can really tune into it, and even the sacred body communication, as I said earlier, connecting to the heart, you can connect to the womb, but placing both hands on the womb and feeling the intuitive power that that energy center in the body has for creation, for intuition, for magic, for pleasure. So many things. Pleasure is so powerful. Um, and so within that, we do a lot of things like cycle tracking is one way. Um, I believe cycle tracking is really empowering for women because you know, women really aren't meant to show up the same way every day. Men cycle their hormones within 24 hours and women typically cycle their hormones within a 28 day cycle. So every, oh, wow. yeah. So every day women are showing up with a different set of hormones that they're working with, um, in a different place in their body to show up from. And so really learning to like track your cycles. Um, I often align them with the season. So like your inner winter, um, which would be when you're bleeding or menstruating, and then your spring and summer, which would you'd be ovulating, and your fall, which is when you're preparing for um, your bleed or your menstruation. And so all of these different seasons hold a different set of hormones, and what we can do with those hormones is wildly different and powerful. So 
your winter is really an intuitive um, shedding time, time of death and um, releasing. And you're really sensitive and you're really introspective. And your summer is a time of a lot of outward energy. So this might be a time where you're like living heavy weights or doing more at work or creating more projects. Um, You're more social. You're more inspired. Um, You have more endurance in your body. So one of the categories of the many under womb wisdom is cycle tracking and being able to really learn the power of your body. I feel a lot of women feel like they have to show up the same way every day and they ignore their their bodies right this is another way that we as women ignore our bodies and we feel we just need to produce and achieve and be successful and actually if we took the time to rest and rejuvenate we would be so much more powerful and inspired when our bodies were prepped for that so cycle tracking is a way to give this wisdom and empowerment back to women when society and culture doesn't we don't honor this for women at all we, we see it culturally societally as a weakness a lot of times and so really empowering women to see it as literally the thing that creates life right the most powerful part of your body um, and even if you don't have a cycle and you don't have a womb you can still connect to this energy center yeah that's really cool I haven't heard about cycle tracking in a long time. I used to do it on this app, and then I don't remember why I stopped, but I remember it was really helpful while I was. It was like, during the different phases, this is the kind of food that might be helpful for you to eat, or the type of movement that's helpful, or how much energy you have. And That's really cool. I had no idea that men have that cycle in one day, and we have it throughout 28 days. That's so interesting to me. Yeah, it's, wow. it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. it's incredible. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, well, found my, ne- my next question for you has absolutely nothing to do with anything <laughs> else. <laughs> but it is extremely important. <laughs> mm. Are you ready for it? Oh, I welcome it. <laughs> okay, found. would you rather all forms of your communication to everybody has to be over walkie-talkie and you have to do the whole like Fallon to Jackie over type of thing like all the (laughs) language and that's just the way you communicate from now on whether they're like close to you or far away from you and everyone everyone knows that that's what you have to do they don't really understand it but they accept it and so it's just it's just the way that it is (laughs) um or would you rather Every time you cooked a meal, hmm, every time you cooked a meal, it started raining different types of candy gently, like the candy doesn't hurt anybody uh, in different cities around the world. And you don't know which city it's happening in or where or anything like that. But you know, if you're cooking a meal, candy is raining from the sky from somewhere and that's just what's happening and you might see it on the news someday but other than that you you are not aware of where it is <laughs> i mean i love to talk <laughs> as you can tell <laughs> yes. so i think walkie-talkie communication would be entirely too annoying for me and uh, yeah. i think raining candy is amazing hopefully it would bring some children joy and not 
too much tooth decay or stomach ache. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. After I finished That's that funny. second part of that question, I was like, this isn't really a competition. No. <laughs> <laughs> you made it easy for me. <laughs> I did. I did. But I bet you've never thought of that decision between those two things before. So never <laughs> in my life. Something new. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, Fallon, where, where can people find you and your work? Yeah. So Instagram is my main platform that I use. Um, my Instagram handle is at Fallon Kings and I have pretty much all my links in there and all of my offerings. Um, could also reach out for an um, email and it's at LePan Fallon or LePan <laughs> email doesn't start with that. It's LePanFallon <laughs> at gmail.com. Um, so yeah, either of those ways, Instagram's my main platform. I always have my offerings and my links to ways that you can work with me and contact me. Um, really receptive to people reaching out through DMs as well. Okay, awesome. Well, I will put all of those links in the description box below so anybody can go check them out. Highly recommend looking into mm. all of that. I've been learning so much just through this conversation, so I'm mm. excited to learn more. Um, also, do you have any resources that normally I don't ask this, but I'm so curious about what you're talking about. Any like uh, book suggestions or podcasts mm. or anything like that that you suggest people looking into if they want to deepen their deepen their learning about this? Yes, that's a great question. Um, so many books. There's a million books. I could maybe make a book <laughs> resource list. Um, there is, let me see. Well, just tapping into this work, not necessarily in the way of the body, but The Four Agreements is one of my favorite books. Um, there's a book called Radical Acceptance by Tara Brack. And that's a beautiful book just about really accepting what moves through you um, emotionally, physically. So I would highly recommend that book. And um, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle is a great book about acceptance of your emotions and learning how to work with your emotions. Um, it weaves in spirituality as well. And there's one more I wanted to share. The Untethered Soul, that's what it's called, The Untethered Soul, and I believe that's by Michael Singer. That's a beautiful book about working with energy and body. Okay. So yeah, and yeah, The Untethered Soul. And then one more for the spiritual, people getting into spirituality. This is a really fun book. It's a series of short stories. It's called Outrageous Openness by Tosha Silver. So... Those are just a few. There's probably a million more that will come to me after this podcast. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for Leo. Sorry. One of my dogs confuses everything for a burglar. It's fine. Okay. Well, I will definitely go check those out. I will put the list, the list of books in the description box below as well if anyone's interested in looking into them. But Fallon, thank you so much again this has been so much fun getting to talk to you and learn from your wisdom and learn about what what it is that you do and love in this world so thank you yeah. very very much thank you so much jackie for having me it's such an honor to be here and learn from you and connect you as well and it's such a beautiful project about learning thank to connect to our bodies it's so important so thank you yeah absolutely thank you <laughs> fallon i hope that you have a wonderful a wonderful time tomorrow during your womb workshop. That sounds Thank awesome. You. I'm excited to see whatever pops up on your social media about it. But yeah, yeah, well you have a wonderful rest of your night over in Massachusetts and we will we will talk again. 
Okay, thank you so much, Jackie. Bye-bye. Bye. If you have enjoyed listening to the Unity Project podcast and you want to find out how to get more involved in what I am doing, then go follow me on Instagram if you haven't already. It's JackieG.TV. That's where I post all the things about this and other things that I'm working on, like my new book coming up. A lot of it is having to do with this podcast, so definitely stay tuned for that if you enjoyed this. But anything else you could be interested in is on the gram. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you guys next time.